the one phrase I hate the most is fake it till you make it. I think that is such a load of fucking horseshit that people should completely ignore that because it's not true. The goal isn't to live forever. The goal is to create something that will. You're listening to Perspective, a podcast for wedding creatives where we sit down, often with a special guest, and talk about our many years of experience in the wedding industry. Joining us today from over the web is Cole Roberts, famed for his photography business Nordica, Cola, his online print shop, and of course, Way Up North, one of Europe's biggest wedding photography conferences. We'll be bending Cole's ear on all of his hustles. However, the main purpose of this episode is to discuss the business of wedding photography. It's probably the case that most of you listening are in love with photography and videography as a craft, perhaps even as an outlet for your creativity. However, who among you can say that you have an equal love and respect for the business side of your business? If you're feeling disconnected from the inner workings of your brand, then this episode will help you gain perspective and allow you to get to grips with the fundamentals of maintaining and even growing a successful business. As always, this episode is sponsored by With Jack, but I will get onto that a little bit later in the show as a pre-recorded message. In the meantime, though, what are we drinking, Greg? In the cinema office here, we are drinking some workshop coffee, and it's the Maharembe Espresso. Yes. Although we brewed it up on the Chemex, but it's tasting lovely. Uh, yeah. So, Cole, what, what are you drinking over in Sweden? I didn't prepare for this. I, I just have my like... <laughs> A glass <laughs> of water? My, no, I have my like red redneck Stanley thermos with me and just like some morning coffee that I made hours ago that I just kind of carry around with me throughout the day. <laughs> I should have got something a little more exotic. You guys sound pretty pretty fancy. We, we like to try and drink something different if we can. Yeah, we do. So is it just your standard everyday coffee you've got? Yeah, sure. I mean, I got a Chemex too. I try to get a little little fancy now and again, but mm. uh, when I get up in the morning, make the coffee, deal with the kids as quick as possible, and then throw throw a bunch of coffee in my, in my thermos and hit the road. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that extra hit of coffee uh, is needed after going through the whole getting the kids ready rigmarole because it can be quite stressful like uh, uh yeah T- or, I guess or every home is different i was gonna say you you sound like you've got it down to a t at this point that there's no hesitation in your voice there well it's i, I love that that part of the day actually <laughs> <laughs> i know it's not for every parent um for sure and as i said every family's different but in the morning i i love that time especially mm. uh especially at this age because i know that you know, it goes by quick and they get, they're old before you know it and they're not going to want to cuddle in the morning and do all that kid stuff. So I kind of like savor these days right now, to be honest. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, what, what, what age are your kids at the moment? I know you you mentioned one of them was four. I got two girls. One is four and the other is six. And then I got a little fella who was born uh, last July. So what is oh. he, eight months or so. Awesome. So that is perfect cuddling territory. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we've been checking out all of your Iceland uh, roadie workshops and all the content that's coming out of there. That looks sweet as always. Yeah, that turned out to be a fun thing. I mean, uh, we've Mark and Mark Baker and I have done it a few times now, and we have uh, one more plan for May, and then we're retiring the idea in Iceland. Um, yeah, we don't want to kind of repeat it too often and become too predictable. But like the the idea for it turned out to be quite fun, and uh, everyone who's I think 
most people at least who have attended have enjoyed it. It's quite quite an adventure over there and workshop or no workshop. I think most people should try to get over to Iceland. It's quite a place. The rumors are true. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. When you guys invited us out in the first one, it was something that we totally jumped on because neither of us, I don't think you'd been to Iceland, had nope, you? No, nope, that was the been. first time. So it was like, this was a chance to go and a chance to get to meet you and sort of meet all the people that was coming in the workshop. It was it was awesome. Yeah, it was cool that you guys were able to come. And yeah, as I said, it's, it's like a place you know made for adventure i would say so if mm. you kind of like getting out there and exploring then that's the place to go for sure it looked like the one that you just finished just a couple of weeks ago was it uh, it looked really sort of crazy wind and a lot heavier <laughs> snow than what we got yeah yeah it was uh it was just last week and it was the worst weather of the three we've done so far really? by wow. far well yeah I, I feel like i keep repeating myself to my wife when i get back home um, for most trips to Iceland when I'm saying, yeah, the weather was the worst I've ever seen. But I actually think last time the the wind was the worst I'd ever seen. And it, that's no exaggeration. If you ask anyone who was there, it was nuts. Um, <laughs> but like, I think that's all right. Like, I, I don't know. I, I barely look at the forecast now before I go on trips there and just kind of expect it to be poor weather. And mm-hmm. for the workshops, you know, of course, everyone wants it to be sunny and nice, but I don't think you go to a place like that and, um, you know, be disappointed if the weather's bad because it's like it's a poor weather kind of place so yeah yeah it was a it was a like i'm not gonna throw anyone under the bus but i'll just say it was so cold that the one um model uh got very sick after uh oh, no. being out in the cold for first the first spot we stopped uh didn't go over too well so anyway am i making everyone down on iceland here the weather? it's not that bad <laughs> no it was, it's lovely it's lovely and to be honest, in, in in terms of the weather we're totally used to that in scotland but i can imagine you know you, you had models from was it brazil yeah the, yeah, brazil? the one you guys were at like they they did well oh yeah they were troopers i think it's just got to prepare accordingly yeah but uh with you just reminded me like i did do one elopement there with a, an awesome couple from brazil and you know warn them as i always try to do and say the weather's probably going to be horrible and they thought they were prepared and we stopped at the first spot and it was like a pure ice storm like it felt like what it felt like is if you took a handful of nails little tiny nails and threw them right up in front of you and there's a wind machine just kind of blowing them all at you and then all hitting your face and that's kind of what it felt like so she was just like broken down in tears in the first spot so (laughs) you can get ugly fellas go to Mallorca go to Canary (laughs) Islands get a tan (laughs) the beer's cheaper but then you have to deal with the sweat though (laughs) yeah I don't do hot that's for sure yeah if you're like like I work with Jakob and um with Nordica and the weddings, usually when it comes down to deciding who does what, he gets the hot places. I'll take the take the cold ones any day of the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm with you on that one. I I just tend to melt in, you know, hotter climates. And I don't. Is there a way to cope with hotter climates? Declimatize? Is that is that just the the trick? Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I just give in and just like <laughs> accept that I'm going to be a sweaty, gross mess the whole yeah. day. And yeah, yeah. I think yeah. you have to. Yeah. So. <laughs> A lot of our listeners will probably have heard of you through your work as Nordic Photography or through Way Up North, but for the small amount that haven't heard of you, do you want to just introduce yourself a wee bit? Yeah, sure. Well, I'm a, my name is Cole Roberts. Um, I'm a Canadian. I live in Sweden now. I'm mar- married to a Swede, so we've been over here for a couple of years. Uh, in Canada, I'm from British Columbia over on the West Coast. 
Yeah, long story short, I guess, with what's maybe interesting to someone listening is I, I started working with Jakob Granqvist um, right out of university. We studied marketing together, uh, I guess it was about 11 or 12 years ago here in Sweden. Yeah, we met each other and then we went over, went over to Vancouver um, and we started Nordica there, which which was supposed to sort of be a one-year experiment. And that was in, um, what year was that? 2009, 2010. Right. So we started it and, um, you know, we were naive and thought we were better than we were. And we just kind of were like, yeah, we're photographers now and and decided to kind of pursue weddings um, from day one, which was a really strange thing, you know, in retrospect, but it worked out pretty well. Mm. And after the first year, we were like, okay, let's do it another year. And we we kept going and going and Nordica kind of grew and became our little baby and has afforded us a lot of good things over the years, like traveling the world and, you know, a career in photography. So that's sort of been like the stable part of our working relationship together. And then um, at right at the end of 2014, we kind of came up with the idea to start an event um, for wedding photographers here in Sweden. So we, we started way up North and um, the first event was October, 2015. Right. Um, and that's grown to be, quite a quite a thing like it's Mm. a lot of work and a lot of hours was very rewarding and uh i think we've done eight or nine way up north events now which i don't know what we're thinking sometimes but it's fun and we (laughs) we we, we like what it's become (laughs) um so we have nordica and way up north and then a year ago we started another another project called cola and um long story short with that that's we're selling photography prints um not only our own our ours are in the mix but it's yeah. it's definitely not only ours mm-hmm. um so that that kind of came about in a natural way i would say like Jakob, he uh it was his idea in the beginning to be honest um he he got a cabin in finland and as he was furnishing it uh his walls he he's like couldn't couldn't figure out what he wanted to put on his walls and when he started looking around at what was available um what he was noticing was two things there was like the cheap posters which are fine and they're yeah. nice and mm-hmm. you can go to like decennio and get awesome cheap posters. Um, but that wasn't for him. And then within photography, if you wanted to get some art, it oftentimes was super expensive, um, way out of his budget. And so like we kind of just bridged those two things and came up with Cola and that's been, uh, that's been a bit of an adventure already. I mean, we've already only been doing it a year, year and a half, but we have certainly learned a lot. So, so those three things keep us busy. Yeah. Can yeah. Imagine. I actually can't imagine <laughs> three businesses. Are you kidding me? You you have the hustle under control. Well, l- let's talk a little bit about uh, way up north then. Uh, first, obviously, we'll, we'll talk about your other your other ventures a little bit um, more in detail a little bit later on. But uh, for people who don't know what way up north is, uh, what is it? Uh, well, it's an event for wedding photographers. That's the short answer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess more specifically, what what we tried to do when we came up with Way Up North is, like, we're interested in TED Talks. I'm sure lots of people yeah. are. Oh, I love it. And the, the premise of Way Up North is is along those lines. It's, uh, it's a keynote presentation, presentation structure, um, usually two days. Usually there's 10 to 12 presenters. Um, so if you can imagine going into, like, maybe a theater environment, which is kind of a venue that we, we like to, to do. Um, imagine going into a big old theater with a huge screen um, and then putting the spotlight on the presenter. And the presenter, you know, needs to be on their toes. And 
And if you can imagine sitting there, you're going to listen to someone who's hopefully going to feel the pressure of presenting. I mean, we, we try to have high pressure presentation environments on purpose because we, <laughs> we and, and because and there's a good reason I think, yeah. for that because we want pre- presenters to be on their toes and, and come in not winging it. I mean, mm. you can you can feel when a presenter is like underprepared and they almost try to talk themselves into sounding prepared. Yep. Like maybe go in circles or maybe beg for a Q and A session because that's that's quite easy to to handle. But but what we try to do is make sure everyone's super prepared, and when they're prepared, they're going to give it you know a thoughtful presentation and hopefully the best stuff. So that's like the the general premise of it. Of course, there's sponsors there, and the event doesn't happen without them. Um, and then to conclude it all, we have a pretty good party that's oftentimes sponsored by Wooden Banana and is definitely a mess every time. So yeah, they're, they're it's a fun event, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Well, Mark Pakura, he, uh, he sponsored the first one in Rome and, uh, I think a, a light bulb went off in his head that like, Oh yeah, <laughs> this is good. And so he just pretty much just said, uh, each event he wants wooden banana to sponsor the party. And I think it's a good idea because, yeah. mm. you know, I don't know, like, like last week when we were, we were speaking about roadie a little bit and last week there was a, a really nice guy from Switzerland there and he, he compared it to like, kind of like a, boutique he compared way up north to like a boutique indie band or something like that that kind of doesn't really give a shit and just does whatever and i I actually (laughs) do think that way up north is a little bit like that like i I don't know i I think about all the other events are out there and there's lots for wedding photographers and that's kind of a luxury being in this industry is there are options and hopefully people go to them all but like i think we're finding our niche in um in in like the the keynote style event and not wavering too far from that and yeah. not really caring what people think about the event, which sounds really strange because you want everyone to love it and want everyone to care about it. But I don't know, Jakob and I, when we're coming up with a presenter lineup and the venues and the locations were, we're really selfish, like totally selfish. And we're like, well, who's interesting to us? Let's create a lineup around that. And, you know, hopefully people will like it. Yeah. 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 So you started off with some smaller, workshops as nordica is that right yeah the that started a long time ago yeah. right when did so, we do the first one in 2011 we did our first workshop with nordica so what's the what do you feel the difference is between small group workshops and the conference style that way up north has become well they're completely different i, I mean that that goes without saying yeah um, to compare them, I guess, like, I, I think the biggest benefit of going to a large event, whether it's way up north or any of the other ones, like large event means a lot of people. And sure, you're going to learn a lot from from individuals when you listen to, to them do a keynote presentation, for sure, you're going to learn lots. However, like you're going to be exposed to a lot more people. And I think that's the greatest takeaway from events like this is the amount of people you can shake hands with and have a beer with and, yeah. you know, shoot the shit with. Be- like when I think about Cola, for example, um, when we started Cola, we we funded it out of our own pocket, and then we realized, okay, we need more funding to fund sales. So we did an equity crowdfunding campaign, um, yep. which it, we we were successful. We reached two hundred percent of our goal. But I bring that up because you know when we started the started like marketing the campaign, the first thing we did is we went to every single person we had networked with um, over the past ten years, like literally every person we we knew and said, will you fund the campaign? So those people that we kind of networked with over the last 10 years or so kind of like they helped us 
get cola off the ground in a sense. So I bring that up because like when you think about an event like way up north or the other ones that are out there, like the network that you create at those events, that's the most important takeaway. So I don't know, that was a long-winded answer. And if you can compare it to a smaller workshop like Rody or any of the ones that we've done with Nordica, like the, the difference is just simply being a little bit more practical, hands-on, and you're going to cater the attention to the ind- individual a little bit more. So like if you have a, a workshop with 10 people, I mean, you're going to interact with that one person a lot more than you would if you're in a theater with 400 people. That's just mm-hmm. like common sense. So yeah. pros and cons with both. I like the big show a lot better, <laughs> personally. <laughs> yeah. Talking about the sort of network and community that you said sort of helped crowdfund that, I got involved in that not even having met you at that point. I just oh. knew. So through... I worked for you then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> uh, that's, that's how we look at it. <laughs> I, I got involved at a, like the lowest level I could, but I just, I knew of you through sort of Mark talking about you and your photography work and it's just like I want to help this as little as I can just because I thought it was a good venture that you were starting well it's good to it's good to hear and thank you for funding it and Jesus I really do think that we we work for the people who who (laughs) invested I I do like uh my how do I say like my entrepreneurial hero is Gary Vaynerchuk which is no no secret and a lot of people love him and one thing that he always says is like he works for his employees not the other way around so I kind of flipped that on into our situation with Cola. And I, f- I do feel like we work for the shareholders and we need to make it work. So, mm-hmm. Well, look, if it makes you feel better, Cole, I, 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 I didn't in- invest early on. So, you know, you're not working for me. Okay. So you, right. can, sh- you can show up to work <laughs> late. I'm not going to, I'm not going to mind, you know, right just on, to take right some on. added pressure off. But rounding out sort of a wee bit about way up north, this episode's coming out on next tuesday so obviously the events in mm. can is in full swing yeah is there any way i know you sell online tickets is there any way that md listen to this can watch that after the fact well if this comes out on um It'll the be- morning of day one then sadly no ah, <laughs> ah, right, uh, okay yeah yeah but as you mentioned we are doing um we're adding an online element to this this event and it's a lot of work friends tell yeah. you that but <laughs> but we did um like where that kind of came from was uh, in, when was it? February 2018. We did a version of Way Up North called 1.2.0. We did it in Stockholm and um, we had a small studio audience um, and then a huge, well, huge for us, uh, online audience. So it was, it was right. like a full-on online event and we learned a lot from that and um, didn't, didn't do it in um, Cologne, which was the follow-up event. Um, but for, for Colin, we were like... <laughs> Jakob's really funny this way. He like he's like, yeah, let's just do it. You know, like he's a real quiet guy. But then when he when he's like has his when he's like sold on something, it's like we're doing it, and it's like okay, now we got to do it. So uh, we just kind of added that to Con a little bit after the fact, but it's happening. Cool. Well, I look forward to seeing how it goes, and then mm, hopefully yeah. it's available at future ones as well. Yeah, I I wish I could say it would be available online at everyone, but. It's not that simple. Like it's not like like yeah. we're out. So we're outsourcing all of it. I mean, we do not yeah. know. And it makes how sense to, for it to be sort of limited to the people that sort of signed up before it, rather than sort of yeah, sure. long term. I think yeah. Hopefully, everyone can uh, can invest in the the next way up north. But um, yes, that'll let, be a good one. Yes, let let's move on a little bit because uh, I want to talk to you about you as a photographer. And um, obviously, we, we spoke to Mark uh, Bakura just you know before the podcast, and he mentioned that you 
don't often like to talk about yourself. Um, yeah, he's right. You're, you're more of a business person. So how, how did you start as a photographer? Well, it's funny enough, like, well, maybe it's not that funny, but like, I, I guess I got my start in photography because I was interested in online marketing, um, which is what I studied. Mm-hmm. So to kind of go way back uh, to 2008, I guess it was, that, that was when um, Jakob and I finished university. And yep. uh, like, I'll try to give you the short version here. Like out of university, Jakob, he, um, he went to Stockholm, got a good job, started doing his thing. He started photo blogging, kind of did that. And then over in Vancouver, which is where I was living. I, I kind of look at it like I was like, like overeducated, but underqualified for a real job. So I was doing a lot of internships and I, I was really interested in social media at that time. Like it was like fresh out of the womb. It was all very new and, and, and search engine marketing. That was also something I was really interested in. Like oh, I was yeah. like, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, how are these businesses getting people to their website? If you like, if you go Google for a food truck in LA, like how is that happening that they're being found? So I actually looked at photography as like my excuse to learn how to do um, search engine marketing. So I started a photo blog and um, and I was doing really like random stuff. Like I was like testing out how can I get this bridge in New Westminster, which is an area in Vancouver. Like how can I get that to rank high on Google? So I'd go and take pictures of it and blog it. And that, that was what I was interested in. Right. Um, but then on, at the same time, I was uh, I was working at a lot of restaurants in, in Vancouver. They, they call Vancouver Hollywood North because like there's a ton of movies that get filmed there. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and like the cliche is you, you work in the hospitality industry as you're trying to make it as a actor or actress. So I was around all these people and they all wanted new headshots constantly. So I was like, cool, I just made a hundred bucks and I would do headshots. Um, so yeah, I was just kind of like, I forced gumping my way along with photography in the beginning. Like I wasn't taking any courses. I wasn't interested in taking courses. Mm. I wasn't interested in learning Lightroom, Photoshop, none of that. I was just like, all right, cool. Let's take some cool pictures and put it online, see what happens. So that, I guess that was like the very beginning. But like I, my mom is a photographer. She has been for a long, long time. And, and in my hometown, one of their businesses was a framing studio and they had a print lab as well. So Reluctantly, Ooh. I was around it as a kid growing up and uh, kind of got exposed <laughs> to the, the world of photography there too. But, mm-hmm. you know, to be honest, at that time, I didn't know what I was doing at all. Like, I, I remember developing film in the lab and literally having no clue what I was doing. I was just like running through rolls of film and being like, oh, cool, that worked out. So, so there's that background too. Yeah. Cool. Well, the, the, obviously, the reason I asked that, and it was kind of because you kind of talked about yourself a little bit earlier. Um, but you you mentioned going straight into weddings. Now, when you said that, I was kind of taking it back a little bit because usually what tends to happen is that weddings kind of, as someone who takes photographs, your friend asks you to do a wedding and that's kind of the introduction that I think most of us have. Uh, but you said you went straight into weddings. So so how, how did that happen? Um, well, I guess to try to give you like an interesting answer or however you want to say like I, to say we went straight into weddings would be the best way to answer that is just like for our business we went straight yeah. into weddings so uh-huh. like i remember Jakob and i we decided okay let's spend a year and, and see what we can come up with photography wise and he he came over it was november 2009 and uh it, like we just came up with a logo we just came up with a name and we're like all right now what okay let's make it a wedding photography business and 
the reason why we did that is we needed to find a way to work together um, and have kind of like a, a direction to go. So at the time, weddings was so off the like the beaten path of our interests mm. and like it just didn't make sense but in the randomness it felt like a good move it was like two straight dudes working together doing weddings in vancouver like no experience let's do it they, they just didn't really make a lot of sense but <laughs> we needed to give ourselves like some direction and then give ourselves like some purpose be, be, behind working together so we're like all right well let's try to make it a wedding photography business but that's like one piece of the puzzle, I guess, because really what we were doing to pay the bills is like anything. Like we were doing so much different photography that like you could, you think about it, we did it. We didn't do porn, but everything else we were like <laughs> totally all over it. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm not going to go on and on about the examples, but I'll just say in short, we paid the bills by doing anything, but mm. we're giving ourselves focus with Nordica um, by trying to make it a wedding photography business. Why? I have no idea. But like, I look back on it, I'm like, I don't know what we were thinking because, you know, I don't even think I'd been to a wedding. Um, and, and, you know, the first wedding I did, I didn't know what I was doing. I remember leaving the wedding because I was like, you know, filling my card and I would go home and have a beer and then come back and fill up the card again, go home and have a beer. And like, it was like a wedding in my hometown and that couple got divorced like right away. Like, I think within days of the wedding, I don't even know if they... And so, like, they never even saw the photos. And that was, like, my first crack at a wedding. And that was in 2008. So That was a good one to practice on then. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I, was doing, I, was, I was doing it all wrong, like, for sure. <laughs> but, you know, you, in, in hindsight, I was just happy to be there. And it was like, yeah, this is cool. This is something new. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I, I do look back at how naive we were when we started. And you know, what can you do but have a laugh? I mean, I, yeah. I, I think that the one, ex- the one phrase I hate the most is fake it till you make it. I think that is such a load <laughs> of fucking horseshit that people should completely ignore that because it's not, not true. And in our case, you know, sure, you could say that we were faking it till we make it, but really we were just trying to make it work. Like we, we thought yeah. we were doing the right things and we weren't thinking in our heads like, oh, this is just a big disguise for what we're really doing. No, we were like trying to make it. <laughs> and so there was nothing fake about that. It was just at the time and the place, and that's what we were doing. We sort of did that after uni. We tried to do like music videos and any other sort of thing, and we've any, we've told anything. our sort of origin story for want of a better term <laughs> before. But we sort of stumbled into the wedding industry and saw a gap, and then we realized, oh, in weddings, you know who you're marketing to, and it's it was a lot easier for us to try and find clients. Yeah. So that's how we got into it. Yeah, so, and 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 it, we're just two guys with cameras as well, but we're just video. <laughs> well, this this might not be the popular thing to say, but I do think maybe you'll agree. Like, what year was that for you guys? Two thousand ten. I got married. 10, yeah. So yeah, so like two thousand seven, two thousand six, seven, eight, especially two thousand eight was a horrible time to try to like yeah. get employed. I mean, yeah, businesses yeah. were the financial crisis was happening wasn't a good time to like try to get a job however coming out of that was the wild west boom of social media mm-hmm. and the boom of entrepreneurs so like you like us just sort of happened to get into the, the visual arts and it's cheap to start a photography or video business it's kind of a there's not a lot of barriers to entry yeah. and at that yeah. time marketing yourself and actually getting attention was so cheap that sure you were getting hired like we were like masters at getting attention in vancouver all the dumb stuff we did 
it was just like foolproof. Like we, like we saw an Ikea, uh, Facebook contest in 2010 and it was simply a tagging contest. That's it. But we hadn't seen other wedding photography business do that at that time. So we're like, all right, we'll just copy that and do it. And boom, we got lots of attention. So like it was an easy time to get attention and it was an easy time to start a business like wedding photography or in your case, film and uh, ride the wave. But I think the wave is slowly coming to an end, my friends, and the cream will rise to the top because the, uh, the heyday of just being able to put up a Facebook post and getting it seen by everybody is is gone. So Mm. those, those who are talented to stick around are the ones who are going to stick around. But I think the easy times are behind us. Yeah. Yeah. Especially considering that uh, barrier to entry that you mentioned, you know, everyone can get themselves like a high grade gimbal now or a great camera that can shoot 4K or all of these toys essentially that are the tools of our trade essentially. You know, anyone can get access to that. So it's kind of the people who are bold enough to do things a little bit differently who are going to be the, the ones that kind of push forward. Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah. <laughs> different or just really, really good. True. Yeah getting into the mindset of nordica photography i I was on the website and i I clipped a quote that i quite liked from it so on it you say just like good business people they built a case for what to do with their lives boiling it down to seeing the world telling stories and making people happy and so nordica photography was born i love how simple you've made that so how how did you get to that sort of mindset for the vision of the business yeah, like I would say we, we grew into that. I mean, yeah. it's, it's really tough for anyone, I, I think, to, to start a business and and uh, have a brand voice that appears to be natural and easy. It, that is rarely the case where fresh out of the box, everything sounds like complete and natural and, and fitting. And Nordica certainly was not that. So that was years of <laughs> figuring out, you know, do we actually like doing this? Do we actually like doing that? And, and you know, learning what we actually liked, which took a long time. Yeah. So, yeah, when we boiled it down, like there was a there was a guy who my wife worked with at a branding agency in Vancouver, and uh, his his job title was storyteller. And I remember he he put us through kind of a uh, a brand character exercise, and and you know boiled it down to four key words that like described Nordica, not us as people, but Nordica. Mm-hmm. And it was like art. Uh, the, what were the things that Nordica liked? Art, uh, photojournalism, travel, and realness. I think those were the four words mm-hmm. um, that kind of described Nordica's character and uh, kind of like whipped that around, came up with the sentence, slap it on the website and boom, there you go. Easy. Um, but you know, <laughs> as I said, like these things are rarely fresh out of the box yeah. on point. Like, with just kind of like jump around a little bit like with cola right now it's 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 a bit of a grind for us to find or you know get cola to develop its own voice and discover its character and values and and one brand that we're looking at a lot as like the gold star is is a company out of sweden called cdlp right and um like this is really getting sidetracked but it's interesting maybe to somebody out there but cdlp they sell like elegant men's underwear which is really out there but when we look at everything that they do every social media post every newsletter er everything that they do feels like it's just so easy like it's just effortlessly on point and perfectly within that brand's voice and it's frustrating to see that because they just do make it look effortless and that's usually like what talented brands do but it's not that easy to get to that point of it being effortless and i think 
you know, with, with Cola, we're struggling a little bit to get to that point. It's coming along, but it's a bit of a grind. Nordica, it took like, you know, eight years to get to a point where things felt real natural and, and yeah. true to ourselves. So, yeah. Yeah. So I, I remember um, during your talk at the, the Rody workshop that you were talking about not letting, like not giving a damn essentially what other people think of your work. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And not to sound too pretentious or like an asshole, but really I don't care at all. But, and I think Jakob would agree, like we don't really care what people think of our work. It would be nice if people liked it. I mean, you always want positives. <laughs> you don't want people yeah. trashing it. But, you know, like... <laughs> Just to put it in practical terms, like when we're photographing a wedding, the last thing we want is to be thinking, is there any doubt around me about what I'm going to produce? Like like coming from the aunt or coming from bridesmaids or whoever is around you, like is there doubt in the room? Because if there's that doubt kind of lingering around, it's going to affect your work. So like if in our case, like we just block out everything. We, we really don't care what people at the wedding think about us. We don't care about like, what people online in our in our peer group are saying about our work mm-hmm. like our output is our output and we're happy with it we think you know we're proud of it and if people like it great if they don't that's okay too there's plenty of wedding photographers to go around so there's something for everyone and if people don't like our stuff so be it that's fine by us yeah, yeah. cool that's something that last maybe couple of years if we are honest we were maybe sort of looking for some sort of validation from peers in the industry or something like not totally not intentionally but it probably was happening like that i I think that that's that's like a very natural phase and i don't want to make us sound like these dudes who just like skipped that phase because for sure there was like a time when we cared about that absolutely probably 2012 if i'm gonna like think back to it and (laughs) and yeah like yeah there's no doubt i think there are very f- there's very few of these rare unicorns out there in the wedding industry who like legitimately have never cared. Like I, I think a guy who comes to mind is probably like Narav Patel, um, mm, who's out yeah. of San Francisco, and he is like he is a rare unicorn. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm pretty sure he actually doesn't. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think he cares what people think, and I don't think he's ever cared what people think about his work because he's just producing what he loves and. But, you know, for us normal people, sure, there's a phase where you're going to care about it, uh, what people think about your work. Um, then hopefully you get out of that caring yeah. phase and you just like do your own thing. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely something that I'd say we are out of now. We're trying to make sure and focus on that we are happy with our work and our couples are. And that's all that matters to us. It's like, yeah, yep. I think it, keep, it just keeps, well, for me anyway, it just keeps me a happier person if I don't care. Yeah. And also, just recently, I was listening to the Ego is the Enemy audiobook by Ryan Oh, yeah, by Ryan Holmes. Yeah. And it just reaffirmed that mindset. It was like, yeah, just don't try and focus on being the best or the biggest. That's a sort of dangerous route to go down. Like, we want Mm. to focus more on making our couples happy, and then that will reap more meaningful rewards, I feel. Yeah, for sure. I I definitely agree. And I I think that's such a good book. Everyone should read it. And, uh, in that book, he really draws the line between like uh, arrogance and confidence. I think, and uh, I think as you know, entrepreneurs or artists, I think it's like important to be confident. You should think your work is the best, and you should be proud as as hell about everything you're doing, but not to get delusional about it and be arrogant. Like, yeah, then you start comparing yourself, and then you go down the path of ego, and ego is the enemy. And so, yeah, good book. Highly recommend everyone read it. Yeah, you know what. You know, another one by him that I highly recommend is The Obstacle is the Way. 
that yeah. like oh, okay. that that actually is the theme for um for the event next week in con right. um so how we do it with each event is we come up with a theme um whatever it will be i'm not too sure like the obstacle is the ways for con what other ones have we had ideas to action like we just come up with like super short concise themes and then we say to whoever we're choosing as being presenters we're like interpret that theme however you want and you have an hour cool. then then see what see what happens from that the the theme for stockholm will be very i'm not i'm not too sure oh i just let the cat out of the bag the night <laughs> the event will be in stockholm in october the the next one after con but i guess if people are listening to this they'll the timing will work out yeah. <laughs> but anyway the, the theme for that is going to be fuck it all right so nice. we're really curious how that's going to be interpreted yeah <laughs> with jack was designed from the ground up and is tailored specifically for creatives whether you provide a service like design development or photography or offer advice to clients with jack is for you it's focused on creatives insurance shouldn't be complicated so with jack has made every step easy you'll deal with one form and talk to one jack as you sign up get covered and move on with your day with jack is all about bespoke insurance for creatives simple that doesn't mean more forms or faff it means less it's not about endless features and stale service it's about one solid policy and the personal touch bye-bye unnecessary fuss hello creative friendly insurance be a confident creative. Obviously, it's always nice to to hear how other people got into this business and you know their mindset, their perspective. Hence, why we named the podcast "Perspective." Um, but the real reason we wanted you on the podcast was your kind of your business acumen, I, I should say. You know, um, the title of this podcast is the the business of wedding photography. So I kind of want to just dive in a wee bit, um, if that's right with you. Nope. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> All good, man. Hit okay, me. Okay, cool. Um, obviously, there's a lot to talk about, whether it's uh, way up north or uh, Cola. Um, but let's focus on uh, Nordica for just a little bit. Um, something that you and uh, Jakob do a little bit differently is the fact that you're a duo, uh, but you don't always shoot together. Is, is that right? I remember you saying that in the uh, Rudy workshop. Yeah, almost never actually. Um, uh, just to be quick about it, like when we started, we did everything together. So that was mm. t- like 2009, 10, 11, uh, which was, you know, what we felt was right at the time. But looking back was overkill um, because literally everything we would do together. Um, and then 2012, we kind of like realized, you know, we don't need to do everything together. And that's when we started doing it individually. I don't remember the last time I did a wedding with him, actually. It's been a really long time. Uh mm. I'd be guessing probably 2016. I think it was. We did one in Bali. How how, how was that? Just uh, that particular wedding. Uh, yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, that was a fun trip. Mm-hmm. We it was like uh, it was a long way to go for you know one wedding, but we <laughs> managed to do a workshop when we were there as well. Oh, cool. Actually, Terrorological took that workshop. Now that I'm All right. Um, but anyway, yeah, it was fun. Yeah, and we have fun with it. Or we did. Yeah, it's been a real long time since we've done weddings, but I, I do enjoy doing them with Jakob. He's a he's a super talented photographer. I'll tell you that. Um, yeah. And watching him work is really interesting because he, he's kind of frustrating actually to watch because 
you know, he doesn't really do much. He's super quiet. <laughs> he's, he's not like jumping around. He's not, okay. he's just a quiet guy, just like his personality. Yeah. And then afterwards, when you get back and you look at the files and he'll pull out this gem and it's like, man, where did you even see that? So he's, <laughs> he's a, he's a real talent. That's cool. I, I like that. Uh, it's it's funny. I I remember when you when you <clears throat> said that obviously you you are a duo, but you don't you never shoot weddings together anymore. I was I was quite surprised because obviously Greg and I are a duo, and we do we shoot everything together. In fact, there's very very rare occasions that we actually do work separately. Um. So so what was the 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 motivator behind doing things separate? Was it just the fact that he he was annoying? Yeah, like he's I am, to Greg. A, he's just a fucker. Can't stand it. No, no, not that at all. Um, no, it, it honestly, it just felt right. It really did. It was 2012. I remember that vividly because, like, at the time, we knew that Stockholm was or Sweden, I should say, was like in our future. Um, he had a good run in Vancouver, but mm-hmm. you know, Stockholm is home for him. He's like got it tattooed on his arm. Uh, it's <laughs> it's home for him. And my wife is a Swede, so I I kind of knew also that like that was our future. Mm-hmm. So to make the transition happen, we how we did it was Jakob kind of like came over to Europe for a few trips and got as much work done over here as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was second shooting for people. He was doing weddings um, with kind of like a very varied budget level and getting our foot in the door over here, I guess you could say. Yep. So at that time, it was just like, okay, you go do that, and I'm going to stick around in Vancouver and do the weddings that were really kind of paying the bills. The, the budgets over in North America tend to be higher than Europe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that's yeah. a broad assumption, but like in Vancouver at the time, we were really noticing it. So we kind of like just drew the line in the sand and said, okay, we need to like grow this business somehow, um, and this is one way we can do it because you can double the bookings, um, and people will be none the wiser to the final product because in our case we more or less do the exact same approach with photography personality is totally different but end product with photography people are going to have a hard time noticing a difference so yeah yeah, that was it was as simple as that really Mm -hmm. but but i i would say like that came after photographing things together for a lot of years and it was just a natural thing and i think i don't know i don't want to you know speak for you guys but for photographers especially I, i do think that you can only shoot alongside the same person for so long and then it'll feel natural to kind of gravitate away and do your own thing under the same umbrella. I, I, I think. Mm. Cool. Don't yeah. say this. Greg's going to leave me. Okay. <laughs> no, you should double your bookings. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, the, there's a few double bookings in there uh, for this year, which is funny. So we will, we actually will, this will be the first year that we do split up. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've shot separately with the associate team oh, yeah. before. Uh, but this year we've got a couple where there's two full Cinemate bookings in the same day. So we're going to have to shoot with two separate teams. Mm. So yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah, yeah, that will be fun. Because yeah. obviously personality-wise we are different. And uh, style-wise, well, because we've shot so much together, we have taken different rules on. So we're kind of, we've mastered our own different uh, skills throughout a wedding. So that'll be interesting to kind of make them up kind of smooth out those hard edges for, for the skills that we don't have for a win. So that'll be interesting. How, um, how did you guys find keeping your style similar? Like, I know you say you shoot a lot like each other. Mm. So how, when you started doing separate weddings, how did you keep the style of photography and final product similar to the client? Well, I think, like, 
we like the same thing we always kind of have with photography so i mean that that you could point to that as being a root of it but i guess like <laughs> we were so you know i'll just spill the beans on one thing that we did we did a a thing which was the equivalent of groupon it was called social shopper and so it was a deal of the day site in vancouver and at that time in 2010 there were there was one other photography business who had done a, a similar deal. So we did a deal that was very cheap and we gave away high resolution files. We did everything wrong that you shouldn't do. <laughs> but what happened was we ended up selling 300 of 300 of these sessions that needed to be completed within a year, which surprised us because we were like, kind of like, yeah, it'll be like 20. Yeah. So all of a sudden we were slammed and f- this went on for a year and we were doing these sessions on top of weddings, on top of other weird projects that we were photographing so if you can just imagine like we were doing all of these sessions together we were going into a coffee shop immediately after sitting at the same computer calling it together editing it together uploading the galleries together we were doing that on repeat for you know 300 of the sessions plus the weddings we were doing and things like that if you do that <laughs> on repeat with anybody like your styles are going to merge that's yeah. or or like become very similar so it was really as simple as that. And, and you know, not having not really worked individually uh, before we started Nordica, like we like didn't know any better, right? It's not like we were second shooting a ton with these amazing artists. We were figuring it out on our own. Mm-hmm. So our approach and how we were doing it at weddings, it grew together. So when we grew apart, I mean, I'm pretty sure I know what he does at weddings and I'm pretty sure he knows what I do. There isn't, there isn't a master formula. We just kind of like, know what the other guy was doing yeah i can imagine like that's an intense boot camp of working (laughs) so close to each other for that length of time you would you would get on the same wavelength straight away yeah it was it was the best and the worst thing that happened to us (laughs) for sure that's good i was gonna say you're you're still friends after that experience so oh it's amazing (laughs) like between like I, i joke around with him and I joke around with my wife. I'm like, how can you two stand me? Like, it's amazing <laughs> to me that you guys still put up with me after all these years. Uh, I say the same thing to Greg and my wife as well. Yeah. So, so, so what's it like now that you've, you've separated, like running your business from two different countries? Like, is that, is that well, a, a technical challenge? You're, you're in the same country now. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sorry. A good few hours apart. Yeah, that's never been a, never been an obstacle for us, which is really strange. Um, like even in Vancouver, we live pretty close to each other, 10 minute drive, but I would say we, we would only see each other when we kind of like had to, um, you know, aside from going out for beers when we would never talk about work, but we were used to working, um, away from each other, um, for since we started. So it was never really a big deal. Now it's, uh, you know, there's a few more things being exchanged now, but we still, um, we still know what the other guy is doing and hold hold each other accountable and, we kind of have systems in place where we, we always sort of feel like things are moving forward. At least that's what we want to be happening. So we're a unique case. I know that. And then to be honest, like there are times when it's pretty frustrating not being able to be in the same room. So, you know, we, we do force ourselves to have like meetings when we can, because a lot comes of those, those meetings. And, and I would not encourage anybody to only work remotely with a, with a business partner. It's, it's better to be in the same room for sure. Like quick little things, being productive, exchanging an idea. It's better to be in the same room uh, for sure. But in our case, this is just how we've done it for a long time now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it obviously works well because there's way up north, there's Nordica. And as you mentioned, there's now Cola. And you touched on that that was Jakob's sort of 
brainchild that one but what what was the inspiration behind the new business cola well hmm, how can i give a a useful answer <laughs> like yeah it was his idea but i i think we both were on the same page with wanting to start a scalable business um right. i don't think how do you say like we've had our shot with way up north to make it a or pardon me with nordica not way up north we've had our shot with nordica to make it like a scalable business model for wedding photography and we haven't been able to we've dabbled in a lot of ideas but i don't think anything's really stuck and worked mm-hmm. yeah um way up north that's going to continue until it doesn't. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we we really love putting together that event and it's a lot of fun and it is so rewarding seeing what happens from it, but we have no ambition to like scale it or, you know, take it to crazy places or try to make it anything that it's not. Um so we know where that stands. So then we have this like urge to create something scalable um that we can grow into something more. And then this idea kind of came up and we're like, okay, this is it. This is like, this is something that we can like see how we, how big we can make it grow. Now that's a, that's like easier said than done because at the same time, I feel like we're like starting fresh, just like we did 10 years ago with, and the reason why is like, we're in the e-commerce game now and it's not that easy, (laughs) you know, like there's so much that we didn't know before we started Cola. And even now we're we're for sure learning as we go. Um, but entering an e-commerce business uh, with something that's scalable, it just felt like an exciting idea to us. And mm. we are going to make it work. So your money's in safe hands, man. Yes. We're looking after you, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> uh, so, so what was the hardest lesson then in, in terms of having an e-commerce business? Well, I don't know if it was a, a hard lesson per se, but if you look back, like earlier I was saying like how easy it was, you know, 10 years ago to mm. get attention and that is like a fact that was the wild west of social media where you know it was really easy to get noticed everything was organic you put something out there someone's going to see it so i guess naively we sort of thought you could like seo your way into having uh, a business an e-commerce business that works but Mm -hmm. that's not the case i mean having organic reach is useful and once in a while you're going to hit with someone who's like searching for a black and white poster of a bridge and boom you make a sale mm. but but you got to have a, a real proper ad campaign within yeah. social media ongoing or you're not going to get sales at least that's our experience so that wasn't like a big surprise and we've budgeted properly to have you know those funds to put towards social media ad campaigns um but there's so much to learn within that it's crazy like this is not like getting hired by a couple planning a destination wedding in Tuscany at all. Mm. I mean, it's like you you got a segment, you got to know what you're doing, you got to know your frequencies, you got to know like it's just like an endless amount of knowledge to learn within e-commerce ad campaigns. So that's yeah. for sure the biggest one. And yeah. then I guess the other side of the coin um, is something so obvious that you we didn't really like look that hard into it, and that's like simply the product itself. Mm-hmm. Um, like we've kind of had an awakening in the past two months. We're like, do we fucking love this product? Do we? And then really the answer was no. We, we were very confident in it, but it's not okay. good. It wasn't good enough. Uh-huh. So we've been putting a lot of energy into like perfecting the product and we're making changes that are happening like now and yeah. we'll actually see them soon. But like absolutely loving your product and being super proud of it was like an obvious thing, but yeah. were we being honest with ourselves in the answer 
Interesting. I, I, I suppose it's, uh, you know, you, you have to be in in this type of business to, or in, in your type of business to, or actually just in any type of business, you have to love what you're, what, what you're selling, you know? Because um, I feel like that, that love for your product has to be kind of to an infectious level that other people kind of see it and they resonate with it and with you and, you know, but, Maybe that's not true, but I that no, it's that, completely that, that's true. That's how I that's how I feel, you know, when I see, you know, ads and stuff. Because I don't, a lot of the times, ads don't affect me, unless it's connected with me on some sort of level that I don't know. And it's usually that someone's, you know, the 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 person who's created it is, you know, on a video or reaching out to me, and you know, I can I can see that excitement. You know, so it's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what kind of uh, platforms are you like using to engage with potential customers? Is it Facebook, Instagram? Is it you know? Yep, it's yeah. those ones. <laughs> cool. Okay, yep. simple as that. Like honestly, yeah. it, it, like we're it's kind of fun to grow a newsletter, and I think mm. I think that is what most small businesses should do: is grow a newsletter. Um, it's slow. It's it's, yeah, it's going to be a slow growth, but that yeah. is the one thing you'll be able to control. Um, but on the ad front, it's all going towards Instagram and Facebook. And it's, yeah. it's kind of like, it's kind of comical to see the sales when we're not running campaigns versus when we are running campaigns. It's oh, like really? not even like comparable. It's like when we mm-hmm. stop doing ads, the sales will stop. And when yeah. we continue them, the sales will continue. <laughs> so, but I like you, you hit on something that is very true. And that's like the, the sense of nostalgia almost um, like when you, you just said it yourself, when you see an ad, it needs to connect with you somehow. Mm. And I think with Cola, what we were learning is there nostalgia is an important, a, an important component to selling art for people's homes. There needs to be something that they kind of people connect with. So we had that kind of realization when we had w- literally one train picture that sold like way more than everything else, like 10 times as much as the nearest print we're selling right oh. now. It's, so it's oh. this one train picture in Stockholm. Uh-huh. And we're like, what's up with that? Like, it, it's an okay picture, but like, it, what is it? And then we were like, it's the nostalgia. So hmm. we're we're literally like going all in on that theory. And we, we started a project called Cola Stockholm. So we're doing, <laughs> what we've done is we've done a big call out for photos of Stockholm. Uh-huh. And that can be from professionals or amateurs, anybody. And we've we've finally managed. We've been doing this for about two months, I think, and we've curated it down to fifty of the best photos we think of Stockholm. And the the thinking and the whole purpose of it is, we think the nostalgia of loving Stockholm um, mm. should make for an interesting exhibit. So that's something that we're kind of finalizing right now, and hopefully it works. Yeah, that's cool. That that's actually really cool. I quite like the idea of taking that very specific. Um, emotional tag, you know, nostalgia, and applying it directly to to your product. Uh, you know, in fact, for me, it's probably the most powerful emotion to tap into for me at this very moment, just because of the age of my kids. You know, I I yeah, buy definitely. I I buy a lot of products because I want my kids to enjoy the things that I did yeah. when I was a kid. You know, so yeah, it's funny. Well, just look at what Weezer's doing right now. Like you brought up bands and nostalgia. Like they're yeah. just like they're covering nostalgic songs right now. I think they're even doing a tour of cover songs. And mm. like, yeah, I mean that that's a random example, but yeah, nostalgia works. But damn, is it ever like it's 
it's like the rare again it's the rare unicorn if you can figure it out you're made in the shade but like good luck just dialing it in that, yeah. that in our case with with cola and that train picture i mean that's our own conclusion that must be the reason it's selling is nostalgia yeah. but it's not yeah. like i mean that was one photo i kind of like yeah it's a cool photo but it's not one i would have predicted would just be fireworks the way it is so mm. so obviously uh cola like is there any type of exit strategy baked into the idea of having a product-based business? Oh, 100%. I mean, okay. we, we made no secret about that, especially when we were doing the crowdfunding uh, uh-huh. campaign. Like, ultimately, we want to sell this business, for sure. Cool. Uh, I don't know who I was talking... Uh, who was I talking to about this? It was on a podcast. Uh, I can't remember. But somebody had asked me, like, isn't that, like, a strange way to look at running a business? Like, to plan to sell it. And I think it's, <laughs> in our case, I... I I think it's the it's a perfect motivation for us. And the reason yeah. I feel like that is if we can get our systems dialed in, like to the point where you could literally like hand the keys over to someone who bought it, that means we're making it easier on ourselves with everything that we're doing. Like mm. with the day-to-day running of this business, if we can get it so dialed in that somebody wants to buy it because it's it's like user-friendly out of the box, that just means that we're making life easy for ourselves during the time that we have it. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, like, I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure Jakob would agree with me. Like, this is not going to be our final business. Like, we're going to do more things. And I don't have a specific idea right now at this second. But what I do know is that, like, with what we've done together over the years, um, something has worked. And, like, Mm -hmm. nothing is perfect. And I don't think what we do is perfect. But but things are working. (laughs) And if we can, like, keep getting better as entrepreneurs, then we will do more things together and I'm pretty confident those things are going to work too. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of an exciting idea to to think, okay, we can scale a business and then we can sell it. Why yeah. can't we try to do that again, but on a grander scale later on? So yeah. we are learning and what we do is not perfect. We completely know that, but if we can like figure this out and sell Cola eventually, well, that's exciting. And, and why couldn't we do it again? Yeah, yeah no, a, a 100%. always... Makes me think of our friend uh, Tim Twynum. I think he's maybe been it way up north before. Yeah, yeah, he's a beauty. Mm. Uh, he's he spoke once about when he's fifty or sixty, the young kids at twenty thirty who are getting married aren't going to want to book him because he's not going to be cool or oh he can't, man, he can't do weddings forever. <laughs> he's so preaching. You've got to he's have preaching. Some sort of strategy there, yeah, yeah. Like I'm already feel like I'm too old to do this. Like, <laughs> like wedding photography that is, you know. And I'm going to ride the wave, and I do enjoy it, especially elopements. I I mm-hmm. particularly like those. Um, but you know, in three years I'm going to be forty, and I highly doubt I'll you know be doing weddings. I don't know. It's tough to say, but but Tim's right. Like, why would a couple who is twenty two hire someone like twice their age or whatever when they have someone? who they can really identify with their own age, who's probably just as talented. You know, yeah. it's kind of yeah. a no brainer. It's pretty yeah. discouraging. eh? we're like talking about <laughs> hey, like, Hey, here's how to start your wedding photography business. And like, I'm like, fuck, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, don't sell yourself too short, Cole, because obviously if you like doing elopements, you know, you're, you're battling the weather, you know, you're the rain, the, the, the snow, like that takes a toll on your on your skin on your appearance. So you know you you might you might not look forty when you're selling yourself as this elopement photographer. So you know 
Well, you're going to, I don't even know if there's a picture of Jakob and I on the website. So maybe we'll just hire some young <laughs> buck and he can like take over young yeah. buck yeah. or young lass. They, they can change the name. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I mean, we're not over the hill yet. We are booking weddings. And like I just did one a few weeks ago in Palm Springs, which was like one of my favorites I've ever done. And we have a lot booked this year. So I don't want to like sound like we're, yeah, no. we're, we're drifting into the sunset <laughs> at all. And, you know, when we're, when we're at a wedding, we know what our responsibility is at that mm-hmm. wedding. Yeah. So it's like, I don't want to sound too laissez-faire about all this. <laughs> yeah. It's just, as Tim says, in the future, there is, you've got to realize that I've, eventually at some point in the future mm. oh yeah like i fully accepted that i am not i'm not even kidding myself that i'll be doing this in 10 years um <laughs> yeah. but why would you i don't know like yeah i think i when i think about what i would have told myself 10 years ago it would have been have fun with it but but don't think this is your career like at all it, it'll temporarily be something that you know will help you pay the bills and get amazing experiences and you will get self-fulfillment out of it, but I would never kid myself into thinking that most that people can be a wedding photographer for their whole career. And the reason I say that is there are so few who actually do it. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I've been pretty lucky to meet a lot of people with way up north and and just being in the industry in general. And like, there are so like I can think of maybe f- three people who are over forty-five and still balling as wedding photographers. And like, we're talking like Jose Villa. And yeah. how many oh, people yeah. out there can be Jose Villa? N- not many, right? Nope. Ryan Brandeiser in New York is another one. He's like, he's all time though, like all time. So yeah. he can pull it off. But like, there are very few who can. So we've mentioned a lot of time that you and Jacob stay far apart and you've got three businesses going in this, this time. So how do you make, and you said like before, it just works instinctively because you've worked together so long. Is there any sort of, apps or processes that you use for communication or just sort of making things run smoothly yeah even even like a, a account software or you know anything at the back end of a business that people maybe would struggle with the the two apps that come to mind for us are uh, slack and Basecamp. slack was just a lifesaver when that came out um i mean we we were you know doing what most people were doing like emailing back and forth little things so our inbox was just like chaos so slack was just a lifesaver <laughs> yeah um and it's a canadian company based mm-hmm. in vancouver mm-hmm. so everyone should support canadian companies <laughs> uh and basecamp i mean we use basecamp but we also used trello before and that was really solid yep um and base basically if you're working with somebody else you need to try to hold that person accountable and having like a list of to do's is one easy way to do that. Um, so that's how we use Basecamp. Um, that's like between me and him that those are the two main things, um, for my, for my own sake, um, with things I don't want to bug Jakob with, like I use daylight, um, another Canadian company important. Um, and and daylight has like, I've really enjoyed using daylight over the years. Um, so like, for example, if I get an email, this happened actually the other day, I get an email. If the person has emailed us before, I can see right away in daylight that they have. And th- in this example, it was an inquiry from the Philippines and they had acquired in 2013. So I like, when I replied, I would pretended I had remembered <laughs> and be like, God oh, damn, it's good to hear from you again. Like, <laughs> but really, I, you know, so daylight is a good one. It's expensive. Yeah. It's not for everyone. I think you can only use it on a Mac, uh, but I like using that one. Mm. Yeah. Just to be able to do that alone would would be worth a, a good price tag 
Yeah. Oh man, I, I've done that many times with daylight, and uh, it's it's fooling people, but it works. I'm a big fan of Trello. Uh, that's what I like to use here. Mm-hmm. Uh, when when Slack came out, like I like to think of myself as an early adopter with software and stuff. And when that came out, I was straight on it. I was like, oh, this seems brilliant. But I couldn't really get it to work between us because we're in the same office. We're sitting right next to each other. Yeah, you it don't need that, sense. man. So I was like, oh, I want to use this, but there's no need to. Mm. If I wasn't working with Jakob, I think like I would I would look into Slack and try to set up like a community of people I could network with. Um so what, like one example I think of is uh, there's a guy in LA, his name is Michael Antonia. He's the, the flash dance DJ. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so he's in LA and he kind of has like a posse of talent around him. Um, so he's the DJ. He's also got an event rental business for like nice tables and chairs and things like that. Right. The video guy in the crew is the shark is shark pig. Um, oh, yeah. Smile booth is the photo booth. Like you go down the list of every single kind of like vendor who could, kind of have a touch point with planning a wedding and and they've got a crew this like motley crew of talent like that is something i would do and set up a slack channel with that motley crew if i was like focusing on a local market like glasgow or edinburgh or something like that have that crew of talent that you could like bounce ideas or referrals around with and do it on a slack channel like slack is like I think it's good to get step away from Facebook. Maybe you could do this on Facebook. I don't know. You probably could just set up a group. But something about Slack and being disconnected from ads and all the noise is is one of the reasons I like it. That's true. In fact, Greg and I were having this conversation the other day about how you just like Facebook groups. You just just thinking about it makes you just not want to be attached to Facebook. There are yeah. hundreds of I them. It's we just too much. Whether we should have a group for the podcast and i was like I w- like personally i wouldn't want to join another group mm. so i don't want to create one for this because i don't want people to feel they have to join another facebook group yeah but- well we we kind of like like we spoke about roadie workshop a little bit earlier and each of those people who came to that workshop i'm like super grateful like i'm glad to have met them and i will see most almost all of them again and we're talking like in total 30 people. And the natural thing for everyone to do after that workshop was set up a Facebook group. And I don't yeah. even think I'm in it because like I just can't fucking handle another Facebook group. <laughs> and like that's no disrespect to the people because I am grateful to yeah. everyone who took the workshop. But I don't need Facebook, man. Like I don't need another group. I, I don't even know if I'm in the Nordica group anymore. Like, I just, <laughs> So, yeah, it's no, I don't know. It just feels like noise to me. I wouldn't use Facebook unless if I didn't have a business, I wouldn't be on Facebook. It's like yeah. as simple as that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What about Instagram? Yeah, that's like that's fun. I mean, okay. it's more of a business tool for sure. So same thing applies. If I didn't have uh, a business, I probably wouldn't be on it. Yeah. I, I do have a personal account, but I barely like I don't even put text in my photos when I post, which is like <laughs> so seldom. It's like every month I might throw up a picture. So yeah, I don't know. I get it. Like I am very aware of how important these tools are totally oh. aware but for me personally i just feel like it's noise i'd rather go light a fire in the woods than <laughs> sit and stare at instagram <laughs> yeah i'm i feel like i'm getting to that st- in fact I, I feel like in general instagram and facebook i feel like i'm already there but i i i don't want to be uh what's that thing when you feel like you're missing out uh fomo, FOMO. FOMO. <laughs> I, I i feel fomo or like i should have these things you know mastered to a t and i i just i don't know 
Well, one thing you can do <laughs> or, or not do, but one thing I've done with my Facebook account is I, I've unfollowed everybody, like literally everybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, that reduces the noise and it reduces the FOMO significantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know what I'll do. I'm going to create a Facebook group for all the people who don't want to be in Facebook groups so they can delete, delete all the others and then just come and join this one. Inception, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so before we start sort of wrapping up, because we've kept you for probably long enough. Oh, yeah. Uh, you've hit us with at least one good book recommendation already. Mm. Is there any more that you would suggest people go and seek out? Well, I guess this is a business podcast, so we'll keep it on point there. Um uh, probably any book by Marty Newmar. It's like, I make no yep. secret that I love his books. Um, he's an American author and he writes about branding and yeah. mm. he's got four books Buy all four of them. And the beautiful thing about these books is they're, they're small enough. You can just like comfortably carry it on an airplane and just yeah. like have it there. But they're also short enough that you can read it during a one hour flight. So these yeah, four nice books are like, reading. The, yeah. Yeah, they're 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 four books, and then if you can read and digest those, like your your awareness of what how your brand uh, communicates, especially, I mean, it'll go skyrocketing. You'll be you'll be amazed at all the thoughts that'll go whirling through your head after yeah. reading those ones. Yeah. I'd start with the brand gap, though. That's probably the one I like the most. Hang on, so I've got zig zag. Yeah, yeah zag. Yes, the zag. That's right. Okay, cool. Yes, those yeah. are really uh, nice and, you're right, digestible. I, I call them uh, bathtub books because I read in the bath. <laughs> Do you really? <laughs> yeah, it's like the only time. Well, that you is see, bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you, you don't read in the bath? No. Man, no one reads in the bath? To, who, ha- who has time to take a bath? <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. Let alone read in the bath. Wow, man, you're next level. Next level. <laughs> yeah, my wife comes, uh, you know, when I come downstairs, she's like... You you've you've been away for too long. It's, uh, I'm sorry. Oh, that's uh, yeah. that's oh, impressive. I, I love it. <laughs> you got to make time for yourself, Cole. Okay, man, you're preaching to me. I, I, <laughs> my wife, my <laughs> I wish you got you guys should have my wife on it on here for one minute just to be like, so she can be like, yeah, he's gonna have a heart attack because he's working himself to death. <laughs> so yeah, I do need a vacation. I need to get my like work life balance a little figured out so I can have mm. time for a bath. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Well, you should. Maybe that should be your goal for the week. Really low goals here. I like really? it. You attainable, gotta, attainable stuff. You've got to start small and build up. Okay, okay. Just, just make sure you add the bubbles, or get get yourself a nice bath bomb. Yeah, makes me take, feel. You've taken it too far. It right? makes me feel you've special. Taken it too far. It makes me feel special. <laughs> so I'll drop a, a note of the Marty Newmeyer books and mm, the show notes. Definitely. Is there anyone? you think we should speak to next on the podcast other than your you wife should, obviously you should speak to Cy more like he like i'm just thinking of people within the wedding world who you know yeah like you could actually get on the podcast not but like not like gary vaynerchuk you know yeah keeping yeah, yeah. it attainable here let's be simon is the most interesting guy in the wedding world by far and you get him on the podcast nudge him in a direction watch him go and mm-hmm. uh you'll you'll hear good things yeah you just recently had him on the way up north one, is that right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was a, an interesting guy. That was uh, one I was looking forward to. Like, I've known Cy for a couple of years. Where we've met a few times, and I just admire him so much. And you know, partly entrepreneurial, partly artistically. Like he's just like like the whole package of him is so interesting. And uh, yeah, that's my recommendation. 
Cool. Well, uh, thank you for obviously spending your your mornings chatting to us or your afternoons i should say uh chatting to us um where can people find information about you whether that be you know cola or nordica or way up north like plug your social handles all the regular places <laughs> <laughs> i would i don't know like i guess uh check out cola shop.com and uh i would start there i mean if somebody's listening to this potentially they've heard of nordica photography which is cool and we're grateful for yeah. that and mm-hmm. potentially they've heard of way up north and that would be cool as well um but i think people get exposed to a lot of like they already get exposed to wedding photographers mm. and might look at their sites and that's something that people are familiar with and there's enough events out there and we're all marketing like wild animals to get your attention so i'm sure that people have seen those websites but like maybe someone hasn't thought about a, a business like like cola so maybe it'd be most interesting to start at colashop.com and see where it goes from there we also got the instagram handle handle cola k-o-l-l-a which felt like an achievement because getting those getting those short handles is a little bit tricky well um cool well again thank you very much um yeah yeah and we hope you have a nice rest of your day i'm gonna go have a bath you've inspired me (laughs) yes you reached your goals day one yeah (laughs) good chatting thanks Thank you very much, guys. Cool. cool. Catch you later. So where can people find us, Greg? They can find us at Cinemate Films on all of the socials. Whoop, whoop. I guess it's time for the review shout-out, right? Yes. You got and one there? I've got one on my phone ready. Already prepared, not edited at all. The title is Just What I Need, and it's by Lee Brackets PV Films. Oh. This podcast series has just been what the doctor ordered and the topics discussed on each episode have been brilliant great guests great coffee suggestions great topics after feeling pretty despondent with things i started listening to perspective and it helped me start feeling more positive about me my work and the decisions to go full time often listening on the way to and from weddings or when at home editing thank you no thank you lee Yes, that is what I ordered, Lee. Thank you. Yeah, we really appreciate that. Thanks again. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, hit that subscribe button so you know when the next episode goes online. Please leave a review, because we want to grow this podcast. And if you don't want to do that, totally cool, you're still our best friends, but how about you tell a friend? It really makes our week when we see a new review on iTunes. It really does. Yeah. And just as we do the outro, Tom J.D. Armstrong comes in. He's in a squeaky door, just in time. No, it's all right. Until next time. Enjoy your life.